In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a Victory Friday podcast, and I'm here in the USA with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, Wright, Wright. Jack, how are you, buddy? Mate, it, it, it's fantastic. Um, it wasn't the prettiest of games, but it's a results business. With two and one, and you look ahead, we could easily be sat here at four and two in a couple of weeks. And if you told me, hey, we, we're finishing six games this season with four and two because the Patriots are more wobbly. Yeah, we lost to the Jets. But th- that would be incredible. The whole season's coming together. The fact that we have a quarterback, it always felt like it was, can we glue mm. it together and hold something yeah. bad until we get Sean Watson? We've now got a quarterback that's mixing it in the top 10 of the league. Yeah, is he going to be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen? No. But can he take us to wins? Yes. And there's still hope. Hope is all we want. We're Browns fans at the end of the day. Ian, how are you feeling, buddy? I feel a lot better today, obviously, than we did on Monday coming off of the last game. And I think this was the perfect thing to get that taste out of their mouth, move it on. Now, in saying that, we did get the W. It was a division win. It was against the rivals. So as they say on paper, that counts as one win. But in our hearts, it counts as two. But... As we're going to talk about, the Browns now have a mountain of adversity to come over because as what happens on some of these Thursday night short weeks, you know, you have some guys go down. So some of the plans of, you know, who we thought were going to step in, some of our key contributors going down, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle, but to Jack's point, when you have efficient quarterback play, and this is, I think what everybody really expected out of Baker was let's just keep it simple. Let's stay within the offense. Let's utilize the run game. The run game will open up the pass game at sometimes, and you're going to give yourself easy completions. You're spreading the ball around. And I think people are starting to notice Kevin Stefanski's play calling will keep a defense even as good as the Steelers on their heels. And listen, that's not saying that the Steelers with TJ Watt aren't a completely different defense, but let's not forget there are still some decent players on that Steelers defense and they were guessing all night. And come that second half, just like we did against the Jets and couldn't finish it out, the run game was able to take over and they were just able to insert their will. Guys, it's a bit of a trick question or a friendly challenge. If we had lost that game, would you be in the same tone as you now? Or are you just saying like this because it is a results business? So there's part of the game that it wasn't the resounding victory that I wanted coming into that game. And I, I don't, I'm never that worried about the score. It was like, hey, the Jets game should have been a resounding victory. And it, in a way, if you look at the entirety of the game, there's elements where we played a lot better against the Jets than we did against the Steelers, um, which is just weird to say when you look at one is a win and one's a loss. But there is lots of positives to keep taking forward. It's two bad teams. And we're one-on-one there. But it's now going to be the question. It's more the question, 
next week we're not really going to discover anything. It's the Falcons. The week after we're against the Chargers, we're probably going to lose. We're not really going to discover much. The Patriots is then a big question mark for the team. Are you good enough to compete for the playoffs or are you a bad team? That's the sort of game where you really get to see that. Where do you stack amongst the league? Yeah, similarly, obviously it's a results business, right? So wins make you feel better. And As we know, we're Browns fans. Wins are not easy to get in the NFL. We know that. So anytime you can get a win, it's going to make you feel better. Are there some areas of concern that I greatly have after yesterday? Absolutely. Are there, you know, pieces of offense that are coming together kind of like what we thought? Yes. Was it squeaky bum time? Yes. So can things be a lot better? Yes. But would my, if we'd have lost that game, I would not have been, uh, as good of a mood as I am, obviously I'll take all the wins I can against the Steelers, but at the end of the day, there are some things that are doing well. And then there's going to be some things that we're really going to have to overcome because at this point when we play good teams, it's going to be a lot tougher. All right, guys, well, let's go back. Do you want to hear my story first? Or do you want to break down the, um, the uh, different sections? Let's do the OD special teams and then we'll get to the Paul experience later. Yeah, we'll start as we always do. Let, let's do top three, bottom three. Um, on PFF grades. So number one, Jacoby Brissett with the highest offensive grade for any player, for any team through three weeks of the season, bar obviously the rest of the week three games, but absolutely stormed it. Such a great game. Then David Njoku, it's the second time. Did he break the uh, 100 yards? He did not. He was just shy. I, I knew he was yeah, going to have a good game, once. but he was just shy of my prediction. So only once. It was the Chargers last season. He got 145, I think it was. That's the only time he's broken 100 yards, but absolute dominated, really great performance. And then next up, we've got Wyatt Teller, the, the pancake machine. Um, that man loves pancakes as much as Baker Mayfield loves Cheesecake Factory. Um, cheap shot, cheap shot. So that's top three. We'll do bottom three because, hey, we're not just uh, cherry-kicking. Michael Dunn at the bottom, hey, he's playing like a fake tight end, so uh, you can't hate him too much. Um, and there was a flag in there, which is really going to hurt his grade for some uh, holding. Then you got Harrison Bryant, and then you got David Bell. And this is a surprise for Harrison Bryant. We've seen a lot of good stuff, especially last week, really pivotal for driving um, some early uh, series. But for me, the one thing that stuck out, and I've been counting it for the OBR each uh, week because it's intrigued me. Josh Hermsmeyer wrote an article three, uh, three years ago all about offensive play calling and whether you pass and run on first down, how does that impact the rest of the drive? So dug out some stats looking at just the Steelers game, but it's more or less been pretty solid throughout the season. If the Browns pass on first down, 90% of the time against the Steelers, we got either another first down or a TD, 90% of the time. If we then look at if we run on first down, 55% of the time we either move the sticks or we score a TD. That is alarming, the size of difference. When you consider Jacoby Brissett is on one side and effectively Nick Chubb is on the other. You can't argue when you're looking at in the position group, Jacoby Brissett's trying to be scrape over the line to be a top half QB. Nick Chubb is 
top three easy and number one unless you're uh, arguing crazy tall. But that's shocking that a middle-of-the-road QB is still more valuable for moving the chains than Nick Chubb. So just something to keep in mind. Pass the ball more. Team Brissett, the guy is absolutely balling the last two weeks. Only twice have we passed on first down over two entire weeks and then not either moved the chains or got a first down. One of that was an interception last week and then one more this week. If you pass on first down, you're more likely to score more points. You're more likely to win games. And listen, we're going to be the first ones to always point out when there's coaching advantages and disadvantages. And in this case, I think we have to tip our hat to Kevin Stefanski because as we talked a lot of bit, a little bit about in the pre-show was when they're passing on first down, they're not in these 10 personnel. They're not really all that time spread out wide. A lot of times they're pass plays from run formations or they're a play action play or there's something. So they're using the dominance of the run game or the frequency of the run game to set up these pass plays. And we talked a little bit about David Njoku. I would like to go back and just see how many of his catches were on first down because a lot of times teams were focusing on the run and then boom, you hit them with a pass play. You boom, you hit them with here. So Stefanski is doing a great job at designing these pass plays around the appearance of run plays, which I think even, you know, a veteran defense like the Steelers was on their toes or on their heels all night because they didn't know was that were the Browns going to start this one off on the pass. So you saw a lot of times they were over shifting. I mean, heck, we could go back and look at some of those QB sneaks and stuff like that. They were really just trying to sell out to stop one particular facet of the Browns offense. And then actually the Browns would come back and hit them with a counter of something else. In the UK. He's done a runner. I'm sure he'll be back. But one thing I want to say about the offense is like Njoku balling, uh, Amari Cooper balling, and then it's a bit of meh in the receiving ranks. There's there's no one else outside those two that I'm really in love with. So we've got 10 days now before the next game. I really want them to pick up the phone, inquire about T.Y. Hilton. Because I think that would be incredibly dangerous and elevate this offense to the next level. The Dimitri Felton experiment has failed. He was inactive. He's, he's got no real future with this team, which is a shame. Good player, but it's, it's not worked out. So what I would love to see is T.Y. Hilton brought in because he's going to play on the outside every snap. Got Njoku that can do a bit of tight end versus slot. Got Amari Cooper slot versus outside. And then you can look at whether you've put in some Harrison Bryant at tight end. You can put in some DPJ out wide. You can put in some Bell maybe in the slot. You've got some nice complementary players, which I think that sort of, for me, you almost want your three tier A players and three tier B players. You've got two of the tier A in Njoku and Cooper. Add more more in T.Y. Hilton. And then that tier B of Bell... Uh, DPJ, Harrison Bryant, I think it's nice that you've got some there because you want to mix it around, do some different stuff. You don't want to be one-dimensional. And I think T.Y. Hilton just takes this offense to the next level. It's got a history with Jacoby Brissett. So that's one thing I would love to see in this sort of mini bye week. They go out, pick up the phone, find out what it's going to cost and just get that done. Jack, um, let's go to the classic show. Um, do you want to talk about who's got the game balls or do you want to go for the number? Let's do the numbers. 
And but hey, we, we tend to do a game ball for O, D, and special teams. So after we do the score, I think we should do the game ball, and then we jump to the D. So for the O, I'm, I'm I want to say eight. I, I I think it was really good. I don't want to quite give it a nine or a ten because hey, early on there was uh, there was quite a bit of punting. Um, Stefanski, in terms of fourth downs, was phenomenal. 11.4% of win probability gained on fourth down decisions, which is massive. That is an incredible amount there by calling um, to go for it at times. So really impressed with him. I, I want to say eight for the offense. I also would say an eight. It's, it's odd because we gave him an eight against the Jets. We were talking about mm. other ones. But this time they did it against a better defense. I mean, undoubtedly, the Steelers have a better defense than the Jets. So you don't expect the same stats. And I think that one thing sometimes people get confused with is grades should not be based on stats. But Jack, if I'm not mistaken, don't the people in Pittsburgh claim that Minka Fitzpatrick is like the world's greatest safety and all this stuff. I believe I saw him one time yesterday, make a touchdown saving tackle on Nick Chubb, but Jacoby Brissett at no point did I hear Minka breaking this up or coming in here. I mean, Brissett throws two touchdowns, 220 yards, you have a hundred yard rusher against the Steelers. You have two receivers get, you know, in this case, Cooper had seven catches on 11 targets, Njoku nine on 10. And man, he almost had that 10th three, uh, three to four on hunt. People's Jones had one bell had one. I think overall it was a very efficient performance against a good defense. You know, they're a better defense with TJ Watt. Yes. But overall, I think it's a solid eight because they put up 23 points. I'm not counting that one at the end. But they put up 23 points on a tough weather condition night and they leaned on what they're good at and they leveraged all of the, you know, they basically, if Kevin Stefanski ever wants to go, you know what kind of coach I am on offense, just show them that game. And I think that's pretty much encompasses who the Browns want to be. And they executed it. I give them a solid eight. Yeah, myself. Um, I thought uh, O-line was good at times. There was a little bit of... Uh, uh, silly penalties, mm. but yeah, otherwise, once again, the key thing for me is the quarterback didn't give away any turnovers. So um, he's doing his job. Um, he was really finding Cooper and Njoku really well last night. So yeah, I'll go with a nine. Um, I thought it was very good. Yes, I understand that sometimes it didn't work out, but in general, the attitude and the motivation to move the ball forward in a positive way to win the game was there. That's why I'm giving it a big nine. But as we are a, I wouldn't say collaborative podcast, as I listen, we'll go 888. So let's just go eight. There it is. So, Paul, who would you give the game ball to then on offense? Um, and Juku. Jack? It's Jacoby presents ball, but Njoku is a great shout. Yeah, I got to go with the Joku. I can't, I can't call my shot and then not give him the game ball. I mean, Njoku, for sure, I thought that him showing up, he made the easy completions. Now, I will say, though, the Tyreek Hill made a comment about Mike McDaniel earlier in the season about him having the testicular fortitude uh, that he would need a wheelbarrow to leave the locker room. The third and one call with the play action where Cooper hits them on the, on the post, that's a ballsy call to make at that point in the game. And it ended up paying off big for Amari Cooper. But 
I got to say, it was good to see Njoku. I think he was a miss. I think he's just a matchup nightmare for the Steelers. I think Devin Bush, who they traded up to get, is just struggles in coverage. I think that they were going to have to use safeties and stuff to stop him. And they basically said, we're not worried about that as much. And the Browns took advantage of it. So the chief spike for David David Njoku's game ball. Excellent. Defense. Ian, you this time first. What are you going with? Jack's going to give us the PFF real quick. Run through the PFF grade. So there's one distinct leader of the clubhouse. That is Miles Garrett. Hey, Tony Fields did really, really well, but he only played one snap. <laughs> it was a so really freaking productive one snap. Oh. It was phenomenal. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can offer. Um, tacky Tacky next, and then John Johnson, but they're significantly behind Miles Garrett. And then at the bottom, I'm going to do a bottom four because there was four people that sucked ass. Um, that is Denzel Ward, Tommy Togiai, JOK, and Jordan Elliott did not grade out well at all, any of them. So uh, one to keep an eye on. Hope they can bounce back. And to be fair, that was Tony Fields. He has had one snap on defense in his entire career for the Cleveland Browns during the regular season. And it was a badass move. So hopefully, if you can keep that going, um, guy's going to be a baller. Well, I think the thing we got to talk about first on the defense is the injuries. Obviously, we learned today, and it didn't look pretty then. I wasn't sure, but it looked like something ruptured. I wasn't sure if it was an Achilles. Turns out Anthony Walker, who's been playing as good as any linebacker in the league, ruptured his quad tendon, which for any of you that are listening to this show, just stick your leg out straight and feel that tendon right at the top of your kneecap. Yeah, that's that's the one they got. So he's going to be out for the year, probably really won't even be weight-bearing for another six, seven weeks, probably not doing anything football-related till probably – training camp of next year. I mean, he's, that's a serious injury. I hope for his sake, he can recover. Obviously also JOK left the game with a groin injury. He said after the game, it didn't seem to be severe. So who knows, hopefully he can bounce back from that. Now they have 10 days off. So that'll be nice. And then finally you had Taven Bryan also with a hamstring. So they lost a considerable amount of people during the game to make sure that they can try to bounce back. Now, in saying that, we also got to see Jacob Phillips. So for those other people asking there, Jacob Phillips graded out, not great. I think he ended up with a little over 55, but he did make some plays that really showed you what he's capable of. Now the thing with him is how consistent can he make those plays? I think that's going to be the big thing for him. Also, I know Denzel Ward's probably going to get dragged. I think he had like a 27. I think Denzel Ward's job last night was to play over top of every receiver. And if somebody wants to go out there and take a look, I want to say that of Deontay Johnson's eight catches, I think seven of them were on Ward. I think all seven were on comeback routes. So they basically took Ward, they put him over there on an island against Deontay Johnson, and he was running comebacks all day. So he runs out, he comes back to the ball. Ward was playing on the overside of that. And I think that the defensive strategy, and Richard Sherman pointed this out after the game in Thursday Night Football's coverage, which I must say, can we just put these damn games on TV? I hate this streaming crap. But regardless, I'll get off my soapbox there. Richard Sherman said, okay, all those people want to say Joe Woods and the kids aren't getting signals, blah, blah, blah. He said they played man coverage for a majority of the night. Now, I don't know if somebody's going to break down what they were in versus man, but it looked like Denzel Ward all night was playing over man coverage, which just basically means don't get beat deep. 
And they knew that the Steelers would not be able to put together long, drawn-out drives against them. So they were good conceding a 15-yard comeback here, a 14-yard comeback, whatever it is, because they knew Trubisky's accuracy at times showed in the game where, you know, that's the Mitch we know. I, I wonder how much of that was by design because you're right. He, I think he had one pass breakup and then there was one that was a drop that he celebrated like he won the Super Bowl. But regardless, I don't know if I'm going to kill Denzel Ward. I think he pretty much did his job last night and that was just keeping everybody in front of him. I'll be honest, uh, from the stadium, what I saw the Ward, I know I'm not PFF, but it looked like from my eyes, he was close tight to them wide receivers most of the night. You did see he made another slide under Claypool tackle, right? Did you see that one, Jack? He went to his patented. So he, he clearly is training at the Chelsea Football Academy on how to make a good uh, slide tackle because he went right under Claypool and got a guy out of bounds. So vintage Denzel Ward was showing up last night a little bit too. Awesome. So what number are we going to go with? I'm going to go with a five. I don't think there was anything impressive. I think what they did they even have a one sack? Uh, sack. One there sack. Was one for. Yeah, Jacob Phillips was the only sack I can think of. No fumbles. Pressures. Eleven, 11 pressures. Pressures. So there was three for Walker, two for Wright, two for Garrett, and then one for Phillips, one for Elliott, one for Bryant, and one for Tech. Yeah. So no interceptions. Even though Emerson had a hell of a play, I know Pickens tipped it to him. And let's just say this. I know it was a very nice catch by George Pickens. That was absolute pure luck. Okay. He, he, he threw his hand up there and I give him credit because he still did have to catch the ball, but that was pure luck. He, it wasn't like with Odell's where he made an actual voluntary effort to catch that. And I thought it was a little odd. They were going that far because did he even have another catch after that? I don't think he did, but overall um, I would say a five, there was no turnovers, one sack. I think they did their job with what they were capable of doing. So five. Yeah, I don't think it's one you can really get excited about. There, if, there was still several issues that still need to be cleared up, but hopefully they can take that over the next 10 days and really get that fixed. So I, I'm, I'm confident that we see a better team against the Falcons um, than we have each of the last two games on defence. So I'm happy with a five. I thought it was better than you've made out to be, guys. I thought, especially in the second half, they came out, did their job, and, you know, that's their job to do, work as a team. Even though the PFF grades wouldn't, may not be the best, the defence won the game for us last night. No, I, th I think it's certainly a really good point you make there. Yeah. The defence versus the first half and the second half, and it's one that Miles Garrett came out last season was frustrated <laughs> that there wasn't the improvements, the changes from first half to second half. They actually did a really good job of that, this um, game, of going, this didn't work in the first half. Let's do something slightly different. And um, when they made those changes coming out of the second half, I think basically all they did was punt. Um, I'd need to go back and check, but I don't really – I was never that scared about their de uh, offense in the second half, whereas the first half, they, they showed a bit. To give them a little ad, I will say they even made those adjustments with new bodies, you know, because a lot of the injuries and stuff came in. So they made those adjustments seriously on the fly. And who knows, maybe they just based it down and went, dumbed it down and went to real, real base coverages that they know that that are staples. 
and they were just able to execute it. Maybe that's what the secret was. All right, so five or six guys. Five. If they would have gone out the first half, I'd have set a three. We'll get them up to a five. Okay, five it is. Um, who are you going to give the game ball to on the defense? Ian. <sighs> John Johnson did force a fumble. We just didn't recover it. And he did have one great special teams play to down it. So I cannot go two for two on my, uh, on my but, you know, I think I'm going to go out a little bit. He's a rookie. I think he did his job. You know, I think a lot of people thought George Pickens would have a little hype. So I'm going to go out and give it to Martin Emerson. I thought Emerson played well enough. You know, I know that sometimes people want to rely solely on the PFF grades where it was what it was. But at the end of the day, I thought he played well in his first showing home night game. I'm going to go Martin Emerson. Wow. Be cool. If I'm stood there after the game, uh, I'm just giving it to Anthony Walker for everything he's he's done so far, even though he, he didn't have a great game. Um, this was the first time a linebacker has really struggled. Um, I, I, I'm going to go against what Ian said. I, I'm going to give it to John Johnson. I think John Johnson deserves that game ball. Miles My, Garrett played well, even though PFF got him as a best-graded player. He should be a best-graded player. He's, he's the first overall pick. He's got $25 million a year. I expect wonders from him. And I think, to be fair, he did well because, as we discussed sort of, um, I think it was after the pre-game podcast might have been before where Hayes on the injury report there's deep concerns that who knows he might not even be playing and uh, he came out there and he, he did a job there was some crazy crazy plays he made the one where Acho tweeted um, he was just losing his mind he tweeted a video uh, where there's three dudes and he literally throws one of them the same way of like the big show throwing Rey Mysterio um, for any uh, WWE fans. It was insane. This dude's six foot six and he's throwing him around like a rag doll. Um, well worth your time if you go find me on Twitter. I'm going to give the game ball to Phillips. There you go. You guys love those linebackers. Well, we've got a split decision. So this, this is your job you're listening to it now you've got to tell us you've either got to vote phillips you've got to vote john johnson or you've got to vote emerson mm. hit, hit us up whoever tag us all three of us in and we'll or if you have a fourth is there a write-in next time we do the pregame show or is there someone we missed you got to take garrett out who got the um the tackle at the end to win the game the force fumble but like yeah. that was more of a self-induced. They kind of that way. Then down and Enzo after Philip did it. Phillips, yeah, perfect. Which, by the way, funny story. I'm out in you. There's a casino not far from here where somebody had four thousand dollars on a parlor. The the game total over thirty and Steelers plus ten. So they lost four thousand dollars on that play. Well, there we go. Shouldn't be a gambler. That's what I say. All right. Well, how specials were the specials? Oh, I'm going to go first on this one. They were bad. We had 12 players on the field at some times. Um, Cade missed a kick or an extra point kick. Um, pump return, one got 10 yards. I think it was Fords. Um, as Jack always says, just take it down and start from the 25. 
Yeah, lots and lots of things were really bad. I would say a three. Well, let's break it down. They had one kick return that went 18 yards. So on the one they returned, you did a pretty decent job on coverage. It was squeaky bum time on the onside kick, which I tweeted at Tyvis Powell about that because the Browns didn't block the gunner again, which he was pointing out in the ultimate sports show. Um, So that must be the way they draw it up where Pickens, I know he was offsides. Donovan Peoples-Jones attacked the ball. He missed it and Schwartz tapped it out of bounds. Um, but on the, on the more, our positive side, the one thing is, is York did miss his first extra point in that win, which I can understand a little bit, but if you notice, the one thing I did like was when he had the 34 yard field goal, he adjusted his style. And for the golfers out there, the analogy I said is he had a stinger. He kicked it low. He kicked it hard. So you don't have to worry about the win. So if you notice he doesn't, did not have the normal height that he has, but it was a low pellet, but the one plus side of specials. I thought Boriquez was just on fire last night. I mean, he, I know he had one touchback, and I think he had two inside the 20, but at the end of the game when they needed it, he put that ball out of bounds at the four-yard line. So I think the punting game has been drastically better this year, and I don't think that's a shot on hammer. I think that's just you have a different type of punter back there. So the punting game has been good. I still have faith in York. I still think – that this is a guy that's going to be able to figure it out. If you remember right, Daniel Carlson got drafted by the Vikings. He struggled a little bit at first, and now I think he's the best kicker in the league in terms of efficiency. So just stick it out with York. Um, He does have the leg we need, and it's tough. When you're kicking in 30-mile-an-hour crosswinds where the flag is dead dead horizontal, I mean, look what happened to Boswell's kick. Boswell's a veteran kicker they paid, I think, $20 million to, and that thing went 15, 20 yards to the right. So I'm not going to kill him on that, but Paul – you nailed it. 12 men on the field here, the penalties, the procedurals. And just so you guys know how that works. So Prefer has, he's the special teams coach. And then there's an assistant, right? So he has an assistant special teams coach and the coach will have a list of guys, right? So if I'm on punt or I'm on kick, I'm on whatever it is. So on the specials, you'll have numbers. So you'll send personnel X, personnel Y. It's the assistant special teams coach's job to make sure that the proper guys are on the field. You know, in some cases, you'll see teams only send out 10. Well, 10 or 12, it doesn't matter. There's an issue going on with communication between as guys are getting hurt, right? So all of a sudden now, and my guess is what happened, and I'd have to go back and look. My guess is with Walker or Taven Bryan or somebody else getting hurt, they thought a different guy was on special. So for you to have 12 men, that means two guys thought that they were filling a role. It can't happen. It has to change. They have to get back to the drawing board. These specials are just a huge liability that need to be fixed. Jerome Ford, I get it. Your rook, 15-yard kick returns. No, no, we can't do this. No, 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 no. Take your 25 yards. And they did it too, but at the end of the day, the specials wasn't all that special. And without Boraquez, it's grim. I'm going to say a five. So just to run through some grades, because hey, we, we all need grades. Miller Forstall leading the team uh, on specials. Then Mr. Jordan Kunasic. Um, I think that's the first time I got it right. So uh, he owes me a beer. Uh, Charlie Hewlett then, the man, the myth, the legend, wrapping out the top three. On the bottom end, we've got Jerome Ford, who deserves to be uh, like flogged in the streets for running out the end zone for minus 13 yards. Uh, AJ Green and then Thomas Graham. So uh, that was the other end. But uh, no, uh, the only thing I want to see on special teams is a new special teams coordinator come week four. 
because it is embarrassing. Uh, Mike Prefer needs to sort it out. There is no way you should be getting caught with the 12 minutes mentioned. There is no way in the modern age with the amount of data this team has that we should ever have a return of running out the end zone when you can take the knee and for, go to the 25-yard line for free. And why people are like, oh, yeah, but maybe you get one, two yards. Wait until a moment when one of these important players, and yeah, you don't have your stars out there on a, a kickoff return, but you get someone that's a role player, suddenly gets injured and they're out for the season. Why are we risking this? Take the knee and move easy. It's free yards. It's the only time in the NFL they ever give you free yards and we're not taking it. There is no excuse. People just not getting lined up right. That needs to get sorted. So that's on Mike Prefer. I think it's probably going to be the case that I, I can't see a sacking coming. Um, I just don't think it's something Stefanski is ever going to do uh, mid-season. So I think probably to the end of the season, but I will be gutted if Mike Prefer is uh, coaching this team next season. The odd part is, Jack, is you look at Stefanski, dotting of eyes and crossing it often. Him and Alex Van Pelt, you don't see a lot of pre-snap penalty on offense. And realistically, the only ones you'll see on defense, a lot of times, you don't see a ton of illegal shifts and stuff like that. The only one you'll see on defense is Garrett trying to jump a snap count, which I get it. Like he's going to do that every time you watch all the big guys. Why is it that this one facet is having such a hard time? It, it stands out head and shoulders above the other two, you know, the other two positions. So, you know, as much as we want to kill Joe Woods and stuff like that, he's making adjustments. He's why we're not having the same issues. His job is to look at it. If that means sacking the assistant special teams coach, if that means bringing somebody else in who needs to just be able to do that, then do it. That's a beautiful sight, Paul. Thank you. Who are we giving the so, I, I, I'm going for Bojo. I think Bojo's been really good as a punter. I think the man's done a good job. Mr. Um, Consistent. What more do you want? Like somebody said in our group chat, Bojo is the tits. So for him to put it out there at the four-yard line when the going got tough, it's got to be. There's no one else. Even close. Yeah, I agree with that. Charlie I mean, Hewlett, but the ball looked amazing spiraling. Yeah, it looked absolutely so gorgeous. What do we? What do we? We get what Jack? Did you give a number on specials? Yeah, I thought three was probably polite. So yeah, we'll go with three. Um, there it, it is. Bad. Really, really bad. That. It, it, I've had enough of the special teams because I don't ever expect my special teams to be winning the game, being sort of a deciding factor. Anytime they're effing up and crapping all over everything else everyone's doing, it's not acceptable. So that's what gets me annoyed. I, I don't care if, if they take the knee on the 25 yard every time and they get, even if they just fair catch everything, I'd be fine with that stop making stupid plays and giving up free yards. Paul, you had some pretty good seats last night at that game. Did the, yeah. Here's the question everyone wants to know. Did the, did the Guinness Challenge happen? Guinness Challenge never happened. Damn but, it, Joe. Well, all right, we're going to have to do a virtual Guinness Challenge. No, 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 no. It's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to get into training. I need to get really training. Feel comfortable. Climb to London. Yeah. Uh, but we exchanged some messages yesterday. He was busy doing some media stuff. I was busy yesterday. Not that was an excuse. Um, I'd have made it happen. But yeah, no Guinness challenge. But to answer your question, I managed to get into Nick Chubb's suite last night. So uh, now friends of the family, the dad, 
the brother, the mom. For what? clarification, you were invited, correct? You didn't just sneak in. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you no, were invited into this week because, you know, the people online love to say that Paul Brown charges to show up to tailgate, steals all your beers and run. We just want to make sure we clarify for the people. You were invited into the suite. You didn't sneak in. No, I did sneak. No, I did get invited. Sorry. Yeah. Um, just to let you know what the suite's like. It's like a hotel room. You have toilets on the right. Then you have wings, pizza, lovely, expensive tequila. Not Coca-Cola, they have this other brand of Coke that was in there. Two rows of five outside where you see, super padded. And there was more than 10 people in the suite, so it was a little bit awkward. Don't forget the heaters. The heaters are nice. Too. Oh, how do you know about the heaters? I've been in those suites before. Here's a question. Did you get your hands on the dessert cart? No, nah, I'm watching my way in. But um, them heaters, they were absolutely ridiculously hot, like penetrating hot um yeah just very frustrating but i couldn't say anything because i was like shut down to t-shirt and i was just sweating it was so <laughs> so hot Who's i was in the, in the suit oh that's a good question jack um so one box next to us was some fans of mine who said come and said hi i got a photo which was nice and then the one next to that was ab so ab doesn't stick um andrew barry if you don't know who ab was so yeah andrew barry then sits um, quite uh, above the dog pound, interestingly. I think he was there with his parents, and yeah, it was, uh, it looked like he was a spectator rather than an analyst. It's good to tell him to sign T.Y. Hilton next time you see him. Yeah, and once again, it was a little bit, I was under or behind enemy um, lines, so uh, um. Yeah, and guys, I've got to jump on my flight in a minute, so I'll let you guys finish up. But I'll just give you 30 seconds what happened yesterday. I was on the Ultimate Cleveland show, but it was bad Wi-Fi, so they only saw me drinking some pints. Um, and then I met a guy called Mike, who's a comedian in in uh, Cleveland, Mike Polk. Mike Polk, you know, you know what he is. He's the Factory of Sadness guy. Is he? He's the guy that did the video in front of the thing that said, you're the factory of sadness. And it went viral. That's my point. Good. That's good to know. And then, um, uh, yeah, some of the guys you know, and they asked about you, Wes, Ginger Wes from Columbus. He says, hi. He asked Jack, when is Jack coming out? And I said, he's got a lot of commitments at the moment in the UK. Miami. I'm going to be in Miami, baby. Yeah, true. And uh, Green Power Ranger were there. We went to see the mankin with all the quarterback names on them. So that was interesting. And anyone else interested that we met listened to the podcast? Once again, so many people came up to me and go, I listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm in shock because I just think it's Jack's mum that listens to the podcast. But um, I, I, it's not. I've got the only mum out of the three of us that doesn't keep an eye on the podcast. I found out the other day. So uh, my mother, she's got, she's got answers to that. Yeah. And remember, my mom, who's still in Germany, would like you to update the Facebook so it can post to the Facebook page. Paul, you still haven't. This right is not happy with you. I haven't slept for 36 hours. So uh, when you get back to the UK before you sleep, you need to update that. You could do it in the plane. You travel first class, Paul. We all know how you travel. No. Tell your mom she's upgrade to iPhone downloads. But yeah, guys. Um, I've got a shoot, but yeah, everyone who's listening, thanks a lot for everything. Um, and just one 10 seconds left. 
apologies I'm tired. But yeah, I just want to thank everyone in Cleveland for making my trip so special. When are you back, Paul? That's what the people want to know. Uh, tomorrow morning at six o'clock. No, back to back to the states for more games. What week? Uh, um, what would be the biggest week of the Cleveland Browns? What's the biggest game for Cleveland Browns this season? Well, it's going to be the Super Bowl. Wrong answer, Jack. It's Houston when Sean Watson comes back. So that's why I'm lined up. Jack, how did he just skip over the battle of the mighty Brissette versus Brady? I mean, week 12, baby, Brissette top 10, Brady top five. It's the Clash of the Titans. It's going to be the Brady Brissette Bowl. So, week 12. Week 12. Week 13 is Houston. But we care about week 12 because that's when the GOAT faces the Browns' GOAT. I'm, I'm I thought you were, I thought you were, you were hinting, Jack, uh, Ian, you were hinting that. Uh, Brissett is going to get the job, the nod against Houston. Now that's a big call. Didn't didn't you call that in the preseason? You asked if they would, if Brissett had uh, led them to a bunch of wins, would they bench Watson? And I think everybody crushed you for that, Paul. Yeah, he said well, if it's an eleven and zero, then uh, could you bench him? Which, to be fair, people are unhappy with that. But it's like eleven and zero. No, you're not benching him. <laughs> yeah, he's playing. So, but overall, Paul. It was good seeing you. I got so many texts from people that saw you that were like, hey, that knew that, you know, you knew me. And it was it was a pretty crazy time. So it looked like you had a good time. I can't even tell you how many breweries you were at. I mean, you're basically just Paul Brewery Brown at this point. Paul so. Brewery Belly Brown. <laughs> so, but hey, it's going to be nice on Sunday. We can sit back, watch some NFL. Hopefully the Ravens lose. Um, it'd be nice because I think they play the Patriots because right now the Browns, and as our boy Chris Rose tweeted out, for the first time since 1995, the Guardians slash Indians and the Browns sit in sole for, uh, possession of first place in their division. So, awesome to see. So, as always, only one thing left to say. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>